We are back for another episode of Live from the Bunker. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining us. We are here for episode two, along with Ethan Evans. I'm Gabe Godsman. I'm here to give you all the news from the world of golf. We give you hot takes, great opinions, and we play fun games and do all sorts of things that if you love golf, you're going to love this show. So we're here for episode two. We're so glad uh, we're going to be able to continue this for a while. And Ethan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, as always, you guys know, we, we are huge supporters of the first tee on this channel, and um, we want to give a shout out to them again. This week, they have a, a fundraising event this weekend. It's called their winter equipment sale. And um, if you want to go help them out, you can go Saturday, March 6th at Jefferson Park Golf Club from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. or Sunday, March 7th at Crossroads Par 3 from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Um, they would really appreciate if you go over and you know maybe donate some clubs or help out with their sales. They always appreciate um, acts of volunteering and, and giving back to the community, and you know that's what it's all about. So we definitely appreciate what they're doing to you know help out these kids get introduced to the game. So, all right. So starting off like we always will with the tournament from last weekend, the WGC Workday Championship. It was an exciting one. Some big names at the top of the leaderboard, but Ethan. Colin Morikawa ended up prevailing, kind of uh, grew uh, a little bit more famous than maybe most one-time major champions because it was the first uh, time that the the golf world saw a major championship in a long time when the U.S. Open returned. So uh, he now has four wins on his career. Ethan, with this victory, what tier do you place Colin Morikawa on uh, on the PGA Tour? Do you think that he's kind of up there near the top now with this win, or do you kind of see him with other players that are possibly one step below the rest of the top tier players. Well, I think with his weekend, with his win this weekend at the, uh, the workday, I think he's officially emerged into that top tier. I think there's multiple criteria that you look at for top players and he's basically checked all the boxes except for, you know, winning a tour championship and a FedEx cup. He's got a world golf championship win, which he just got. He's got that major championship win, which, even though it was out without fans and might not have had as much pressure as a normal major championship, it's still a legitimate win over a great field. So he's really just come out and and been a star from the get go on the tour. And, you know, at this rate, I don't expect him, I don't expect it to be long before he's in contention for a tour championship. And I think if he's able to win that, then he can be in the, in the conversation with the Rory McIlroy's and the Dustin Johnson's and the, the very, very top guys. But right now he's definitely in that in that top ten and, and always gonna be, you know, one of the top players to look for week in and week out. Yeah, he's even got that uh that classic iconic shot already at the US Open that he um on the par what was it, the par four where he drove oh. the green. Something yeah, the par like four sixteenth. He hit that amazing driver cut around the corner and, and rolled it up there. And he was also able to convert the Eagle. So super impressive where he showed up under pressure. All right, so obviously everyone was impressed with Colin Morikawa. He won uh, the tournament by three shots over Victor Hovland, Brooks Kepka, Billy Horschel, and then there were other names like Roy McIlroy, Louis Oosthuizen, other guys that were down there. Uh, but, Ethan, who was one player this week that you were surprised on how well they played, and then also one player that you're kind of disappointed, uh, maybe you thought, not, not having a chance to win, but you just expected them to show up a little bit more than they did? Well, I was... Uh... I'd say I was a little bit surprised with Rory playing so well because he really had a lot of struggles at the Genesis Open or the Genesis, Genesis Invitational at Riviera. 
he missed the cut pretty handily. His game looked pretty awful all around. He just didn't really have anything going. And then he was able to come out this week. And even though he was never in the top two or three at any point, he really showed that his game's trending in the right direction. And that's what I think the golfing world wants to see with him heading towards the Masters pretty soon and with a chance to complete the career grand slam there. Um, the pressure's always going to be on him. So he's, he definitely wants to have his game in top form for that. But on the flip side, even though we saw Brooks Kepka jump right back into contention, I was really disappointed with how he finished the tournament. He ended up losing to uh, Colin Morikawa by three. And I think when golfing fans are watching a tournament and they see Brooks Kepka there at the top, you know, whether it's the second, third, or fourth round, they don't really expect to see him fall back at all. They expect him to keep his foot on the gas and most likely win the tournament just because of his mental toughness. But I was really surprised with how he really flattened off as the week went on. He was definitely dealing with a little bit of neck pain out there. So he, he was in, you know, a little bit of discomfort, but usually he's just that guy that will never um, fall back on the last two days of a tournament. And he did that. So um, just for me personally, I thought it was a little bit disappointing and just surprising in general to see him do that. But as you guys know, if it's not a major, Brooks isn't going to be too worked up about it. He'll just, you know, set his mind to the masters and, and get over it pretty quickly. But that was just a little bit surprising to me. Kepka shot at 67 and 66 in rounds one and two, and then finished the tournament with back-to-back seventies. Obviously finishing second is not a huge disappointment, but you're right. I feel like if there's one player that is going to um, be disappointed if they don't win a tournament, no matter how they finish, I think it might be Brooks Kepka or Dustin Johnson. You expect him uh, when he's in contention on a Sunday, he kind of has uh, the pressure that a guy like Tiger Woods has where you need to win or else it's pretty much a disappointment if you're right there. So, um, Ethan, moving along uh, from last week's tournament, I wanted to play a game that I think will be a lot of fun. In basketball, in the NBA, there's the All-Star game this Sunday, and on Thursday night, Kevin Durant and LeBron James will be picking their All-Star team. So I thought, looking at the top of the world rankings, we would each pick five players from a potential 5v5 match play tournament at Augusta National. You you each get a pick. We each get to pick one coach as well that can be a player that you you don't want to have playing, but you think he can bring uh, a good sense of uh, maturity. You know, one extra coach that maybe a guy like Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson who would help out. Um, even though Tiger Woods uh, probably wouldn't be able to be there, he's still technically allowed as a coach. Any former player is allowed as a coach. So starting off, Ethan, I'll give you the first pick on uh, just any five guys for a one match play tournament one day one round at augusta so do you want to switch off each pick or do you want me to just pick my yeah i think off? we i think i think we switch off each pick like kevin durant and lebron will be doing all right so my first pick might surprise you guys a little bit but we have to remember that this is a team event and a match play event similar to the Ryder cup so my first pick off the board would be patrick reed i i, I would not want to have him on the other side i think he always brings the energy and he's not going to want to let his team down in any circumstance. He's shown that time and time again at the Ryder cup. Um, so, you know, just based off that, I think he's a guy that, you know, I would de- definitely want to have on my team. I mean, I, I appreciate you allowing me to take Dustin Johnson second overall number one player in the world right now, four top tens and six events so far this year. He is uh, the, the most powerful player on the tour. He's improved in all phases. And I think that, um, He's a great player to have as your number one guy. So uh, I think 
I'll let you go. We'll, we'll, we won't do a snake draft. So you get back, you get the first pick each round. Okay, cool. So uh, surprisingly, I'm going to go with another guy outside the top 10 in world rankings. Patrick Reed's at 11 and, uh, or excuse me, sorry. He's at, he's at nine now, but you know, not in that top five. Um, but now I'm going to go with Brooks Kepka. It's at number 12. And I just love the way that his game is coming into form right now. And when you play this sort of team match play type event where you, you want to have the strongest guys mentally that will always show up for the big moments, that's what you're getting in Brooks Kepka. So I think even though there's tempting guys like John Rahm, you know, Justin Thomas, Sanders Shoffley up there, I really think that Brooks Kepka would add a good element to the team. I want to pick another guy that's a veteran on the tour. You know he's going to show up in the big moments. Roy McIlroy, currently eighth in the world. Uh, he, like you mentioned, he had a good tournament last week. And I think that obviously in any big circumstance, you know he's not going to crumble under pressure like some of the top guys who are uh, maybe a little bit younger. Obviously not any, a shot at any of them, but I feel like Roy McIlroy and Dustin Johnson are a great pair at the top for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Rory's the type of guy that can, you know, just absolutely light up a, a golf course on any day. So for sure. But I will say, this is this is at Augusta National. I think he, that that might get into his head a little bit. Who knows? So maybe that's yeah. He's got some nightmarish uh, memories from from Augusta for sure. But but yeah. So my next guy is going to be Tyrrell Hatton, who's currently sitting at sixth in the world, and um, he just dropped a little bit. I think he dropped one spot in the world rankings um, this week because he wasn't in contention. But overall, he's just been having such a good year. And he's another one of those guys that he might not have the most talent out there, but he's just absolutely fearless and he won't back down to anyone, you know, on the other side, whether it's Dustin Johnson or Roy McIlroy or anyone. So I just really think he's a valuable piece of the team. And you guys can probably see a trend of the type of players that I want. Um, you know, they might not be guys that have the best career resumes, but, you know, they're just super mentally tough and they're going to give you their all on any day. So. I think for my my third pick, I'm gonna go with, oof, I'm gonna go with the winner from last week's tournament, Colin Morikawa. He's playing well, obviously. He, like we just mentioned, we know he can show up in the biggest moments, and I think that he's a good young spark to go along with DJ and uh, Rory. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I think for my fourth guy, I'm gonna go with Webb Simpson currently 10th in the world. Um, I just feel like his play style is, is similar to the other guys that I have on my team. And I, I feel like, you know, if you're building a group of guys and they could all have that little bit of chip on their shoulder to really want to, you know, beat the guys on the other side, which tends to be, you know, the top guys in the world based on your team right now. Um, I think that just gives them, you know, that extra confidence to go out there and just, you know, maybe prove people wrong that don't think they, they are worthy of a top five in the world spot. Um, but I just love the way Webb's playing right now. He's just in contention every week, and he's a baller out there, so I like him. I like to call him Webb.com Tour Simpson because that's uh, where he belongs, really, especially with your wow. team. I'm going to go – I mean, you can say what you want. Oh, they got a chip on their shoulder, but I'll take Justin Thomas, the third-ranked player in the world right now. I mean, all right, great. You guys have all the confidence and the, the underdog mentality, but I'll take three out of the top – or I guess right now four out of the top ten players in the world. Justin Thomas, major champion. He uh, he's playing well. Obviously, he's third in the world. Uh, he also, like Dustin Johnson, has four top ten finishes already. Uh, and I really think that um, that he could be a guy that actually maybe becomes my my 
my underdog, even though it's crazy to say because he's third in the world, but with Dustin Johnson and Rory and then Colin Morikawa fresh off a victory, you think those guys would really show up. I think he could be a guy who um, finished eight under last week, could make a push in the end. Um, whoever he's playing, we'll have to do a, a 1v1 matchup for each for each, uh, each of our teams. I think he's a great fourth pick to have third in the world. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, lighting you up right now. I'd be scared. Yeah. World, world ranking wise, you know, you definitely have the stronger <laughs> side, but you can't mess. That with is, it. it's not like it's a, it's not like people are. It's anyone's opinion. It's based on facts, how they're yeah, playing. It's, it's straight facts, but it also, you know, it has a little bit to do with the tournament selection. We got guys like Brooks who are just saying, okay, I'm just going to rest up for the majors and just watch my ranking drop while these other guys get wins. But I don't care because all I care about is just how many majors I have at the end of my career. So that definitely have to consider those things and. um I would say with my last pick, um, I'm going to go with a guy who maybe would get, you know, a little bit different than the other guys on my team. He hasn't been a proven winner on the tour, but he, he's a guy who could be nurtured and, and become, you know, one of those great players. He's already playing super well right now. Um, and that's Victor Hovland um, from Norway. I think he's, he's just a guy that has so much talent. He's using with talent but he always has those couple bad holes every week that kind of take him out of contention. Uh, for example, he had a quadruple bogey on the 18th hole in one of his rounds this week after being seven under. Um, and then he ultimately lost the tournament by three shots. So right there, you take that away and he's the champion. So I just think and surrounded by all these other veterans and guys who have won majors, I think they'll just be able to, to tell him, you know, you got so much talent, just play smart and you know manage the golf course and you'll be you know as good as anyone in the world so and it's addition. it's a good point that this is remember this is a match play under these rules so he could have one bad hole and it wouldn't necessarily be the end of the world absolutely so for me to round out my team i'm picking a guy that's outside the top 10 for the first time bryson dechambeau he he's not going to make a lot of mistakes he he's got the game literally down to a science 27 years old he he was a star from the beginning we know he can get over the hump like he's shown in recent weeks and recent years. And I really think that uh, he'll round out my team nicely. So my team right now, I've got Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, and uh, Bryson DeChambeau. I'm really enjoying that team. And your team is... Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm rocking with Tyrrell Hatton, Patrick Reed, Webb Simpson, Brooks Kepka, and Victor Hovland. So definitely a team of underdogs, but um, no doubt a dominant team. So, uh, I mean, we, we can discuss later. Maybe we'll put out a little survey for uh, people to vote on which team is better. I think there's definitely a correct answer there and definitely an incorrect one, but uh, we'll, we'll let everyone else decide. I don't want to pick Gabe. That would be a mistake. Okay. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Make sure to uh, tune into the NBA one if you like that. I don't know. That's Thursday night at 5 p.m., but I think ours is a little bit more exciting in my opinion. So, oh, yeah. Ethan, moving along uh, – before the show, we were discussing some major things to talk about. And one thing you brought up was uh, ways to make the game more exciting for, for viewers, for fans. That's another, that's a lot of, a lot of times people who aren't golf fans just can't understand why you would be able to watch a, a full round of golf on Sunday or even a full tournament all four days. And I think that as much as anyone can love golf, it's easy to understand why people uh, can turn away from the fact that it's confusing and jumps around so much. Uh, it's a lot of repetition. The players are so good now. It feels like everyone's hitting great shots all the time. You brought up something about players wearing mics, being required to wear mics 
microphones on on their clothes obviously you, you'd be able to hear them all the time it's brought up uh, more interesting a, a more interesting fan experience because you're right there you'd hear how the players talk jordan speed's famous for talking to the ball as it's in the air do you yeah. think that um it's it's something that we'll see in the future that will make the game more interesting that everyone will be required to wear a microphone i think it's gonna be interesting i i don't know if the tour can go into a place where they require people to wear microphones just because it's you know i think a matter of privacy but um i think that it'll be really interesting to see what happens over the next year or two because we've had some controversial you know statements that we've been able to hear as golf fans on um golf channel or nbc or wherever maybe and i don't think the players are super happy about a lot of it um because obviously it gives the fans a better experience to hear you know maybe how the player and the caddy are interacting before a shot or you know what the player is saying to their ball in the air whether it's turn speed or anyone else but um there's just been a few incidents where players let things slip after a shot and it doesn't get muted um, while it's on tv so you almost have the golf channel turning from pg to pg 13 to you know maybe even r and i think a lot of people a lot of golf fans might like that because they can relate to you know their daily or their weekend rounds with the boys or whatever. But um, as far as the players are concerned, they're going to have probably strong opinions against it. And, you know, obviously Justin Thomas got into trouble for, for making um, remarks that were, you know, inappropriate. So um, we'll see. I think it's just a matter of if the players feel comfortable with it. And, you know, I know there's going to be lots of players that let things slip that they regret. So that's the only area where I'm a little concerned of it kind of expanding but I definitely think it's going to be more entertaining for the fans if it does emerge more. I think this brings up a larger question just about different ways that that golf and the tel- television networks can make the game more interesting. I've seen YouTube videos where there you get famous golfers that instead of playing by how many strokes it is, instead playing how fast they can get to the hole, uh, there, there's no limit on the number of strokes. There's just different things that I think the – that golf could do to make the game faster, to make the game more exciting. Well, what is one thing, and I'm putting you on the spot here, that you think besides putting microphones on the players that can make the game maybe a little bit more exciting? There's been, um, like I said, different, maybe for a tournament you have to, it's based on the number, how long it takes you to play the round. So it's faster, it's more exciting, could bring up new strategies. What, what's another thing that you think could uh, make the game a little bit more exciting? Well, I actually have a, a couple of things. One is something that Brooks Kepka brought up a while ago, and he's a big believer in, in keeping the pace of play faster and not taking forever. And that's part of why he has a strong disliking of Bryson DeChambeau because he's analyzing every shot down to the science and it takes minutes upon minutes to hit a shot. And that's become a little bit of an issue, um, especially for golf fans just wanting to tune in and watch um, you know, a, a fast-paced sport. I mean, you're not watching a fast-paced sport, but gets even worse when you have this slow pace of play. Bruce Kepka proposed the idea of maybe shortening golf from 18 to 13 or 14 holes. And I think that that's a really interesting idea because I think it would make the game harder because you don't have the ability to come out and, and start out maybe plus two on the first three, and then you're able to bring it all the way back. You really have to make sure that you're not making mistakes out there because it can absolutely cost you. Um, and not to mention the fact that it would definitely shorten and um, I think make it more exciting, all of these, these tournaments. Um, and another thing I think that they could do is 
just make the golf courses harder and longer. I mean, I, I know they're continuing to do that, but I just think it's, it's, it gets a little bit boring to see week after week guys getting to, you know, 20 under 25 under um, on these courses, because you really don't get to see these guys struggle. And I think that's what a lot of golf fans can relate to. I mean, they're going out on the weekends and shooting in the nineties or hundreds. And then they see these guys just shooting bogey free rounds left and right. And so I think if they, they've been talking about all these equipment restrictions. I don't really agree with that stuff. I think that they should start making golf courses, maybe 8,000 yards or, or 8,100 yards. And then, you know, making the greens faster, making the rough longer, just all these things that can make it really tough on the players. Because me personally, I don't think there's anything more fun than watching a, a tournament where maybe plus one or plus two wins it. Yeah. And I, I think that would make it super intriguing for golf fans. I mean, we've seen times where Dustin Johnson has a wedge in on a par five on a second shot. That is, doesn't even seem like real golf at this point. I mean, I know that that I, I'm a player that I would love to watch people struggle. The U.S. Open is one of the most watched tournaments, not just because it's a major, but also it, it's it's more exciting than probably like the PGA Championship where there's a lot uh, lower scores. You see in the U.S. Open, players are winning at uh, maybe a three or four under. Sometimes when it's especially when it's at Oakmont, players are winning it over par. And I think you're right. It's very exciting to watch players struggle a little bit more. And then also you think about uh, maybe shortening it so that uh, the rounds are just Saturday and Sunday. That could be also interesting because it condenses the field. Oh, it's always going to make it exciting. It, there will never be a time where someone's got a five-shot lead going in to the end of the tournament, and then they can really just coast their way through the final round. You want to always make it interesting. And I think if you have maybe eliminate the cut and then just have – hundred guys going at it there's always going to be an intense ending no matter how many uh, players are playing well and I think that'd also be very interesting okay so for sure I, you can add something go ahead oh yeah I just was gonna say I, I totally agree with that I think that's a super cool idea okay so what I just realized we forgot to do our coach which I think could be fun for our 5v5 matchup I I'll let you go first this is just any veteran player that you think um, could be a good guy to you know get the team rallied up get the team together who do you think that is I think for me I'd have to go with Steve Stricker probably I I know he's been a captain recently on either the President's Cup or Ryder Cup but he's just a guy that has played on the tour for so long he's got so much experience and he's always been I know Golf Digest has made a couple of additions where they've come out with the nicest guys on tour ranked from one to 50 or whatever and Steve Stricker's always been up there and known as one of the best guys on tour, um, not just because of, you know, the way he treats the fans, but just because of how humble he is and, and the way he just goes about his business. And I think it would be really good to have a guy like that leading the team. Um, it just just keep their nerves under control, keep them calm. And just, you know, if even if they get a huge lead or something, just keep them under control, keep them humble about it and just go about their business. I mean, Golf's not always a game of being flashy. It's about, you know, how can we get the job done? And so Steve Stricker would be a great guy for that. Well, I've got Dustin Johnson, a little bit shy, maybe not shy, but soft-spoken. Roy McIlroy, obviously. Colin Morikawa is still a young guy. I'm going to bring in Miguel Angel Jimenez, and I think that it's going to bring a lot of energy to the team. Uh, maybe he hands each of the players a cigar before the game, before the match. Just get the players fired up a bit. You know what I mean? I think that he just really embodies everything that what we were trying to say, making golf fun. I think that Miguel and Hell Jimenez is, is a great pick for my captain. Maybe not. These guys don't need to learn how to play golf. I think that it's a great uh, 
opportunity for them to uh, to speak with Miguel. You know what I mean? You'd have quite the stretching routine too before you're around. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So finally, before we close out the show, we got to talk a little bit about the tournament that's upcoming this week. It's an exciting one. One of the more popular non-majors, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Ethan, the course is 74, over 7,400 yards. Who do you think this uh, this course plays well for that could possibly make a push to win this tournament just based on um, you know the greens and based on how it plays? Well, I think you got to look at guys like John Rahm, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Roy McIlroy, the guys that are in the top of the world rankings and in good form right now, but also that can just absolutely dominate a golf course and bomb it out there. I mean, we've seen Tiger Woods dominate this tournament, you know, for much of the last two decades, you know, before his, his injuries and, and other issues, but um, he was always one of the longest hitters on the tour. And so there's, I don't think it's a coincidence that he always, you know, played really well in the Arnold Palmer Invitational, especially at Bay Hill. So I think definitely all those guys that can really bomb it out there. I think guys like Kevin Kisner, Webb Simpson, they might have a little bit harder of a um, chance this week, just because it's not, of course, that really fits their play style. They can't really just, you know, play smart, hit it out there and, and really be consistent because they're going to need to be able to dominate this golf course and take advantage of the par five. So um, even Bryson, Bryson also has a great chance too. All right. So I know you mentioned a lot of guys with a great chance. If you were to predict right now, the winner of the Arnold Palmer Invitational, you get one guy, who is it? I'd probably go with Bryson. I, I, he had a horrible first round this last weekend, 77. And then he comes back with 64 the next day, which is, you know, that's just golf. It, it happens sometimes. But I just feel like with him putting up that much birdies on that tough course last week and that combined with his distance, I mean, I, I just watched a video of him trying to drive this 550-yard par five that, you know, wraps around the water. Um, he was trying to drive the green, which is about a 300 and 50 yard carry. And so he, he's just absolutely working on his distance all the time. And the par fives are going to be, you know, very easy for him if he can just put the ball in place. So I'd say if he gets his driver in the fairway, I think he's going to be tough to beat this week. That's going to wrap up the show here on 88.9 The Bridge. We'll be back next week for episode three. So make sure you tune in for that. The Masters is right around the corner. Of course, there's going to be some more great tournaments to discuss. We'll be continuing talking about all the hot topics in the world of golf. So make sure you stay with us next time live from the bunker.